Hi, everybody. My name is Irvin, and I'm here with my friends Kyle. Hi. And John. Greetings. And this is the Theology Podcast. So we're in a series of conversations about God's mission. What does it mean to take part in this exciting work that God is doing in the world? And how do we participate in that as witnesses to what God is doing? So today we're thinking about Acts chapter 2 and how God's spirit is at work in the first witnesses. So Irvin, you want to share some thoughts about that? Yeah, sure. So this past week, we took a look at how Acts chapter 2 tells the story of God's mission and how it began to spread outwards in three movements from the first witnesses, the apostles, to the harvest of the more than 3,000 believers at Pentecost, and then further outwards to find favour with all in the city of Jerusalem. So we started by looking at how God's Spirit dramatically descends upon the apostles, you know, with the wind and fire, and there's a lot that happens there that is quite surprising to the Jews at the time because it was unexpected. And in fact, some people actually think that uh, the apostles are now drunk because they are able to speak in languages that they never learned before. Luke describes how Peter stands up to explain what was happening, that this was always part of God's plan. But, you know, it's very easy for us to read Acts chapter 2 and say that, yeah, you know, Peter should have done that because he's an apostle and he is one of God's chosen, one of God's sent to the nations and so on. But what uh, is very easy to miss is how this version of Peter is very different from uh, the Peter that we saw in Luke's gospel. You know, if you watch your Marvel and all that, it's almost like he's another variation, you know. Yeah, so at this moment, Peter explains that this was always part of God's plan and thousands are moved to commit their lives to Jesus that very day. So what happened to Peter? How come he's so different from the Peter who we met in the gospel of Luke? And I think the big reason here is because of what happened through the Spirit at the start of chapter 2. And that is why he is able to share that message that brings so many to say, I want to follow Jesus. And that's how uh, the great harvest of believers took place within the Pentecost, this festival celebrating the harvest. So that's the second part of Acts chapter 2. And then the, the third and final part that we took a look at was how this harvest then went forth in the new lives given by the Spirit, filling and finding favour with the entire city of Jerusalem. They didn't do so by becoming rich and powerful, you know. It's very easy for us to think that, oh, you follow Jesus, you do the right things, you become rich and powerful, and that's how you find favour in the city, because you're rich and powerful. But no, they didn't do that. They actually did the opposite. They sold and shared their possessions they didn't acquire and build new property. They actually started meeting in each other's homes. So that's, um, I feel, a, a mind shift for, for us in the 21st century and how we see Christianity today. Yeah, And that's the story of Acts chapter 2. To draw on what you said about the Marvel reference, what immediately jumped out of me in the way of transformation was the character of Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. You meet him in the first Iron Man movie in 2008 <laughs> and he's this and he's this billionaire who's just all by himself and by the end, uh, spoiler alert, by the way, 
if you haven't no. seen Avengers <laughs> Endgame, <laughs> right? But but yeah, he, he he's a hero. He's he's willing to sacrifice himself. Suddenly, he doesn't matter in his own eyes, and it's a it's a hundred eighty degree shift, and that's what we see happening in people like Peter. It's what we see happening in that early church, right? Their whole value system is turned on its head, where it's not about my power and my ability to make a convert out of you, as it were. It's it's me being a witness living under the power and the grace of Jesus. And that's that's the new order of mm-hmm. the kingdom that Christ has begun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's really a matter of like watching God's spirit at work and seeing that as like a testimony. You know, we always talk about the acts being like the acts of the apostles. It's really the acts of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm, working mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. all these different yeah. people. Yeah, that's And so right. it's kind of mm-hmm. like a replication, like what you mentioned in, in Acts chapter two, there's this, you know, Peter refers to the pouring out of the spirit from Joel chapter two, when he mm-hmm. preaches that sermon. And then we see that starting to happen. And Peter is like a microcosm of that. And then it replicates to all these other thousands of people mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So imagine seeing what that change in Peter. Now imagine that happening by the thousands of all these other people. Mm-hmm. Imagine what a dramatic shift that makes in the mm-hmm. city. And that's kind of what we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing that stood out to me, you know, as I meditated on this, but I didn't mention it uh, last week as well was how Peter, despite being transformed, he actually still does make some mistakes. You know, later we've seen Acts and um, what was the other letter? Galatians, I think. That, yeah, uh, yeah he has yeah. a disagreement as well, right? Um, because he kind of misunderstood the the mission yeah, of God as well. So it's not that when the Spirit comes upon you, you become superhuman, but maybe that you become a fully redeemed human and... Um, you're still human. Yeah, but human the, nonetheless. Yeah, you're the best version mm-hmm. of yourself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, which I think brings us into a conversation about what does Peter's experience look like when it's played out in our own lives? How are we also in a way like Peter? We all know deep down we're still very imperfect people on the road to becoming fuller, better versions of ourselves. So what does uh, what do we see in the story of Peter's transformation that could apply in our own lives? For me, it's when when I hear that story, I'm hearing a lot of hope for myself because I see in Peter someone who has who started out meeting Jesus, not really getting it for the whole three years that he was following Jesus, having this idea that oh, the Messiah is going to have an army, and he had gotten it completely wrong, and then having something dramatic happen and then getting it and then rising up to be the leader of the church. And I'm looking at my life and thinking, when I first became a Christian, when I was 10, 11 years old, I didn't get the whole thing. Uh, I I knew who Jesus was. I knew what this baptism was all about, kind of. And then for several years too, I found myself just figuring out, just kind of coasting and how much do you really know as a 12, 13 year old? And until it kind of clicked after a bunch of experiences came together and it made sense about, oh, Christ has an influence, has an impact on all of my life. And it it was just something that took time to develop. And then after that point came, then I blossomed i think as a mm. as a follower of jesus mm-hmm. so that was your pentecost moment but it was preceded by 50 days of waiting in a way yeah perhaps. it took yeah. time to come mm. Mm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's a I, and i think 
the best analogy for that kind of thing is being reborn and the mm-hmm. idea of that we're still we're still babies trying to figure this way out, this spiritual life out. Mm-hmm. But it really is a matter of, you know, when talking directly about Peter, it's about the fact that God's spirit is at work and him relinquishing power of his own free will to the spirit. And I think that's a lot of times we misunderstand that. We think, oh, well, when you receive the gift of the spirit, well, immediately you lose all your free will. You just give it over to God and God's going to take you know, Jesus, take the wheel kind of thing. He's, <laughs> Jesus is going to be in charge and I don't have to make decisions anymore. Ah, easy. I, now I just live out the rest of my life. That's not true. It's we always have our free will capacity to choose to move away from what the spirit's mm. will is. And it's a matter of relearning. It's like, oh, what is it? Just like I have to learn as a, as a baby and a, a young child in my family, mm. what is it that my parents expect of me? What is the behavior that the world, the society around me expects of me now that I'm, I'm being reborn in a spiritual way? What does God's spirit expect of me? And so, yeah, I'm still going to make mistakes. I'm still going to mess up. And that's what we see in Peter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the message for us too, is I, I still have to walk by that. It's a continuous process of learning to listen and discern. This is what God's will is. This is what God's will is for me as my the best version of myself, like you mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have to learn how to lean into that and just listen to the spirit rather than choosing my own will and my own decision-making powers from mm-hmm. here on out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's almost like even though our free will doesn't get canceled, our free will is transformed and just naturally we begin to, we begin to want the things of the spirit yeah. and our will is conformed to that of Christ and what he would want for us to do. Yeah. Mm. So I guess the next question is, as the spirit is at work transforming our lives and transforming our free will, where does he want us to practice that transformed will and that transformed life? What's that, what's that harvest field that the spirit is leading us into? Yeah, for myself, I shared last week about how um, I see the spirit starting to work in our new home and the environment around there. Um, I mean, I didn't really share this outright, but uh, deep down inside, I know that uh, it is a work that started long ago in me. Um, I always wanted to be you know, someone whose home was open to others, but I think I've, I wasn't so ready. And I think the spirit is starting to nudge me in that direction. And... I am excited to see what's going to happen, but it's it's scary. It's scary because it's out of my control and it's into the hands of the spirit now. But then it also brings the question, do you trust the person who is in control of the situation right now? And uh, I, I want to trust that the spirit knows how I can best grow and mm. best move forward and where the harvest is that he's leading me to. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And I, I like that you've, you've, you've brought it home, like literally <laughs> bringing it home to your, yeah. to your own yeah. uh, family and your own example. And I, you know, like I go back to this thing of like this idea of we always expect like, oh, well, when the spirit transforms somebody, they become this superhuman, they become this super Christian with mm. supervision like Jesus and, mm. and they don't have any you know say in the matter. Mm. But it really is just a matter of like listening to the spirit's prompt and then seeing the world with fresh eyes. And like, like what you're saying with your house, you're seeing that with fresh eyes of like, how can I make this more of a spirit-filled mm. environment, a spirit-filled mm. place? And I think we do the same thing in, you know, everywhere else, not just in our in our homes where our families live or where we stay, but we start looking around us at our places of work and our places of school and like, where is, you know, where are the spirit-less places, the places that are lacking in God's spirit? Mm. And how can his spirit be poured into that place? And how can I be a conduit of that? How can I bring life 
into that place. And I mm-hmm. think that's really what we start to look at, especially around us in our neighborhoods and our HDB community mm-hmm. or, you know, our condo or, or wherever it is that we are, our place of work. We start to look at those things and we say, man, this, there's a lot of brokenness here. How mm-hmm. can I help? How can I participate in this? Not in a way that I have to go in and do it by myself, by my own, by my own human manpower, but how can I help con- be a conduit, a channel for which God's spirit can come into this place? Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where the power really comes. Yeah, you know, I, I really like what I think it was Uncle Yongwi who mentioned that when he passes by some people who he sees on the public transport, you know, and he knows that they are in need, he starts to pray for them. And I have a cousin too, when he drives past a place that means something to him, he will pray for the people in there. And I think being prayerful, seeing yourself as a witness for the community around you here in Singapore really matters a lot because this is our home. So we need to plant our roots here. We need to have an impact on the community that's around us. Yeah, that's a great example. I like Mm. that idea of starting with prayer and Mm. and kind of like, basically you're asking God's spirit to intervene Mm. in this scenario. Like you see somebody there, um, you know, you're asking God to touch their heart or whatever, yeah. but then also you're preparing yourself for any kind of opportunity. Mm. So say, say a conversation does strike up between mm. you and that other person, mm. you're immediately, your, your, your antenna go up and yeah. you're, you're very aware of any possibility of having some mm. sort of a spiritual conversation come out of that. Uh, and I think that's part of that being spirit led like that. Yeah. Let God do the work, you know, yes. yeah. it's not us. Yeah. I think it was attributed to Francis of Assisi who said, preach always when necessary use words yeah mm-hmm. and I, I just love that quote it's so brilliant in addition to praying for people in silence as we pass them in the street something i like to do is when i go to the nearby coffee shop or kopitiam i i like to make it a point to make eye contact with the store holder and mm. after i place my order and say thank you like really mean it and flash an extra big smile to, mm. to them to say yeah you know i I, I don't I really do appreciate you making my meal being the hands of God to sustain my body mm. for the next few hours and, and and I try to mean that and that that has surprisingly got some unexpected responses they might smile back or there's mm. a special glint in their eyes or they just kind of <laughs> linger on you a bit longer and wonder what what is with this guy why is why is he so happy why is he so joyful yeah. and they may not hear about the name of Jesus they might not immediately label me a Christian but I wonder if that's what a life transformed by the spirit looks like that in something as simple as ordering food from the Kopitiam it is visible and brings joy to someone else yeah that's that's really great and like mm-hmm. imagine what it, I mean we see these people maybe some sometimes on a daily basis depending on what our routine is what would it be like for me to be so intentional that I'm making myself available to relationship with this person mm. with a smile with an acknowledgement of their actual name if it's a na- like a name tag yeah. that they have on their shirt and then suddenly relationship blossoms out of that and then who knows what what God can do with that and so yeah, yeah I think that's a great practical example of how you know we can open ourselves up to what God's spirit's already doing in our neighborhood yeah. yeah. Hey, that must be why the auntie took a picture of you the other day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Call him handsome boy and then took a picture of him. No, that's right. No, that's right. <laughs> so to sum up our conversation today about what it means to be led by the Spirit in our homes, in our Jerusalems, what are some concluding thoughts that you guys would have to sum up what we've talked about today? Yeah, I would say that a lot of it is about just listening to the Spirit's prompting and letting that be the the deciding factor for movement. 
um, for me as a, on a personal level, on an individual, as I'm being transformed into a witness, but also letting that spread around to the community around me, my family, my home life, and letting that become a place that is inviting for God's spirit to work within that, that realm, rather than just always focusing on my specific needs, always being closed off to what's going on around me. I just keep my head down and go through my daily routine. If I lift up my eyes and I look at the people around me, like, like you described earlier, let them be seen uh, mm. by another human. But then also we invite God's spirit to participate in that and see what comes out of that, and especially in our local communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for myself, you know, I feel like all humanity wants to belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's uh, a really precious uh, gift that God himself has placed in our hearts. How he wants us to um, minister to our home, our Jerusalem. So looking at the idea of home as a physical space in terms of, you know, your family as well. And going beyond that to your friends, you know, for those of us who may not have uh, a home that you own right now, you know, maybe you're younger, Maybe you are traveling, you're renting and stuff like that. I think there are many ways that we can create a sense of home and homeliness wherever God has placed us. And for us to seek that out, it will help people to feel like they belong, help people to feel like they have worth. You know, just like your example of the uncles and aunties who sell food, when they see your smile, that's you creating community with them. So um, I think that's really precious. Yeah, just actually just last night, um, one of the neighbors she came over to give us some cookies mm. and I was like, oh, wow, okay. And then I saw that she went on to give cookies to the other neighbors. Oh, oh. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I thought I thought that was really uh, nice and, and that's community being created right there. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's just the simple thing. Yeah. Yeah. And to tie a bow on this, it sounds like to do the simple things takes intentionality and then deciding, you know, here's somewhere I can create community and it takes a little effort but it's so worth it when people are being brought together in the spirit of camaraderie in a spirit of mutual kindness and that i think is where we see the spirit begin to take root and Mm. who knows how that seed will germinate and blossom into something amazing Mm, yeah so maybe if i if i learn how to be the right kind of witness Mm -hmm. for god's spirit then he will present me with the simple things that I can do. That's all we have for this week on the Theology Podcast. See you next week.